Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mind Vine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris Bovey. So welcome to the COVID-19 edition of the Mind Vine Podcast. Uh, my name is Daryl Mathers. We have Chris Bovey with us uh, on location in Curtis, Ontario. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Daryl. So this is our um, podcast number two since the pandemic uh, was officially called in March. Um, obviously, everybody's lives have changed. Uh, we are doing our best uh, on Ontario Shores to, to still provide quality care uh, and provide the services that our, our staff and patients need to provide quality care. Uh, there's a segment of us that are able to work remotely, or at least at times, and Chris and I are uh, among them. But um, before we get too far along the podcast, just want to give a shout out to everybody at Ontario Shores. Um, those working remotely, um, but especially those that are going into work every day, having those extra precautions, um, the screening, the PPE, um, obviously dealing with the anxiety that comes with a situation like this, um, having to leave their families. Um, it's, it's not an, it is not an easy challenge for, for any of us, but especially uh, our, our colleagues at Ontario Shores. So thank you for everything that you guys are doing every day for okay. our patients. So Chris, um, it's been a month and we're, I think we're, this is actually week six of the pandemic. Um, you're still shaving. So that's, uh, you know, that's a positive sign. I'm running a little low on razor blades, but you know what? That's okay. Uh, it's, uh, we're all, I mean, it's, it is a different situation to work from home, especially with, you have, uh, kids and cats and everything running around. So it's a different work life culture here, but, um, definitely, uh, like everybody, it's it's a change in lifestyle that we're kind of going through right now as we try to stop the curve. But uh, it's um, been a it's imagine. a real it's a real uh, change in lifestyle. I always joke that you know, you know these these are the worst roommates I've ever had. Are the three kids that <laughs> I mean, that live with me while we're trying to both my wife and I are trying to be productive at work, and uh, mm -hmm. it, it's hard sometimes. I have to keep in mind what a big change it is for them. They're, you know, like your kids are a little bit older, but not much older than mine. They haven't seen their friends in weeks. Um, all the things that are so normal to them are gone. It's uh, I remind myself what a big change it is for them. Yeah. It's just trying to build. Everyone's trying to put a little normalcy back in their lives, you know, get out for a walk or, or do things. Just, it's a little bit challenging. My anxiety goes up when I hear a yell from upstairs that they have a math question. Cause I am, I need yeah. support for that because it's it's beyond me some of the stuff that they got to do at school. So um, hopefully I don't get any of those uh, calls during the podcast. <laughs> it's been yeah the the learning the distance learning has been a real learning curve uh, for us here. Uh, one thing we were actually my wife and I were talking about it this morning is just some of the kind of interesting or positive things that have come out of the last six weeks because uh, you see on the news or on social media. Um, people kind of finding creative ways um, to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries without being able to uh, connect with each other. Uh, what have things been like in, like, is there in your community as you've been trying to um, kind of keep life going and get the essentials, but connect with people? How, like, how has that worked for your, you and your family? 
Yeah, I think, you know, probably like all of us, we've, you know, the service culture that's out there. So we've, we've done the, the, um, the shopping, Instacart shopping. We've done the skip the dishes kind of thing. We've tried those, those uh, types of things. And, and we try to get out and just have a bit of a walk, just to get, out, get some fresh air, have a walk, you know, keeping our social distancing and kind of just get out and get some fresh air. And, um, but it, it has been a challenge because the kids definitely not seeing their friends, having that isolation, being, you know, more probably more on social media and I think even the anxiety of the kids because they're just like our like us all we're reading COVID 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 all day long and we're seeing you know we've had this tragedy in Nova Scotia there's a lot of anxiety driven kind of news out there that and and we can kind of get wrapped up into so just trying to find a, a break from the news is important so uh, like you and I uh, through our work, you know, it's focused on on the pandemic and, and the services and, and managing through that. But um, when you come home, it's constant social media news. Just getting a break, I think, mentally is important. That. It, yeah, it's it's challenging too because I, I keep watching the news, hoping it's going to change. You know, and I mean, there was a bit of a some positive news in terms of where Ontario sits on the in, in its curve, but Still, I think what's difficult uh, personally and, and for the people that I'm connected to is just how slow, how much patience this requires. It's like, it's so opposite of our society. This instant gratification, this hurry up and let's go uh, mm-hmm. get something done. Uh, let's move on. And uh, this is, it's just, ex- and it's an exercise in patience for all of us. Yeah, and I think people, as the weather gets nicer there's this kind of increased anxiety to just you know maybe even pressure to can we just get back to regular you know open up businesses get back to work um so we have to kind of manage through that i think we're getting closer um but i think more people are kind of reaching sort of a boiling point of of you're seeing that in the states with with a lot of protests and things like that but again we want to listen to the best advice of our healthcare experts and and make sure that we don't jump back too early and end up back in the same place uh, just weeks after. But I think we're getting closer. One thing that's been interesting to watch in all of this, uh, you know, maybe more so in the States, but definitely in Canada and particularly Ontario is how leaders are responding to this and like some of the measures that are being taken, but I think even more so the the tone in which uh, some of our leaders have taken. And uh, I think you, it's a time where you really see, um, somebody's leadership skills uh, when you're in a crisis situation like this where you have to make really tough decisions. So it's been interesting to, to watch that. We're going to have um, regional chair John Henry on the podcast uh, in a little later. Um, he's the regional chair for Durham Region. Um, and it's been interesting to watch him and others uh, in the community, how they're communicating too. Right? It's, not, it's no longer sending a press release or um, I, you know, I don't even know what they would have done in the 80s besides go on, on national TV, but uh, to see how quickly they've ramped up campaigns and used those social media and the different things that they've done to kind of communicate the, the measures during this pandemic. Yeah, and I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a good topic uh, and a good chat with, with the regional chair, Henry. And I think for a lot of people that may be watching too, really kind of understanding all the responsibilities that actually do go through the region, I think a lot of people may be unaware of the different levels of, of, of government from your, you know, your pub, 
from your municipal to your regional to your provincial and what kind of services and that they still have to kind of provide in that crisis. So um, I think we'll have a great discussion with, with, with uh, John. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we'll talk about this too, just how in Ontario and in our, in our local community, how we're seeing, how we're seeing levels of government uh, work together. Uh, that typically might have opposing views or differences with each other, certainly provincially and nationally. I'm not sure how that would work from a local or municipality standpoint, but I'm sure there, even there, there's differences, different priorities. Um, but when it comes to something like this, we've really seen, um, I don't know if seamless, but you've really sta- seen them stand behind and beside each other. Uh, as opposed to uh, the nightly um, entertainment of the White House briefing in the in the United States, mm-hmm. where regardless of where your political um, interests lie uh, south of the border, uh, they are not a cohesive unit, and that's clear, uh, you know, every day. Yeah, I think in a, in a crisis like this, we all come together, and I think you see, I've seen the, you know less partisan politics are all coming together, regardless of how you feel about different people. I think, you know, Premier Ford's really stepped up and done a good job during this crisis. And and, um, I think that's what you need, whether it's the prime minister, the, you know, the premier or your uh, local mayor, people are looking for some calm, rational, stable voice that everything's going to be okay and that we're, we're on top of this thing. And, and I think that's so important in this time for everyone with that heightened anxiety and managing through this that they feel like their leaders are on top of this. Yeah, it, like, I think that's evident even in the small things that we've seen in, in our community. Uh, the rocks that are being painted uh, outside of Lake Ridge Hospital in Oshawa and the, the Lake Ridge in Bowmanville at our hospital, people have been dropping off rocks as well. Um, with inspirational messages of hope. And I think that speaks to just how helpless people feel <laughs> at this time when, um, you, you know, it's a small percentage of the population that uh, are in the front lines. The rest of us may not have the skills or the, uh, the, the discipline, the disciplines to, uh, to help out at a, you know, in the front lines at this time, but we want to do something. And when you have uh, solid leadership it yeah, kind of allows allows people, the board. Yeah. yeah it allows people to kind of find ways to to kind of whether it's uh, painting rocks or just find some way to show their appreciation for sure uh, i'd like to welcome uh, to the mindvine podcast uh a special guest with us today regional chairman uh, john henry thanks for joining us today on a virtual Mindvine podcast today. We appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you, Chris. I just finished a conference with the the mayors of uh, GTHA and the chairs uh, led by Mayor Tory, and we did the meeting exactly the same way we're doing it right now. Excellent. So you're a professional at this old hat. So <laughs> I just want to start off, first of all, just, um, you know, because you have a role as a regional chair, but you also have a, a you know, family life and all things that are going on. How are you managing and coping right now with with everything? How are you doing? Well, you know, it, it's it's been an amazing. Uh, this has been an amazing challenge. Um, it, it it requires um, a lot of, uh, of extra work to try to navigate all this. So I'm I'm a person. I'm an early morning person. So I, I try to get up and watch the sun come up every day. Um, but I make sure that uh, I surround myself with people where I can have a conversation about the issues that are happening. Uh, we work as a team here. Uh, our senior our senior leadership team and. 
and our uh, emergency management team. So we come together uh, three times a week uh, to talk about issues. And then at the evening, um, you know, my wife, uh, Kathy, is a retired pharmacist. Um, she's curious about my day. We have some conversations about ongoing ongoing issues throughout the region. So I'm able to to be able to go in and actually have a conversation and talk about the challenges that are going on in the region. And then if I'm uh, if I'm really need a few minutes, I, I go out and uh, take the dog for a, a bit of a play and and get some fresh air. One of the things that really fascinates me in this pandemic, but also when there's moments of crisis that get kind of provincial or national attention is just the leadership styles and how leaders uh, perform in these situations and, and how they work together. And I wonder, you give us some perspective of, because you just mentioned that you were on a call with Mayor Tory from Toronto. I'm sure you've been in touch with the Premier's office uh, at times throughout the pandemic. And what's the process been like from a leadership perspective and working with other leaders in different areas with different priorities? Like, what has that experience been like? Well, I, I think for for all four levels of government, from the federal government to the provincial government, uh, regional and, and, and the municipalities, uh, it's about people. And it's about public safety and, and the lives and health and safety of our residents. And it's, it's a common denominator across the entire country. So we're working together in unison. We're having conversations. Um, the conversations that we're having are the same conversations that are happening in every other municipality from, from long-term care, uh, which, is, which is a big part of what's going on now, but making sure that our water treatment plants and our sewage plants are, are all running, that police and fire and EMS, our frontline service people are out there. Um, so it, it's about keeping all the pieces uh, working in every municipality in the entire country. So uh, having a common goal about the health and safety of our residents really allows us to do uh, work together um, as a group, um, on, not only on actions, but on messaging. Also of sharing talent. Uh, not every municipality has the skill sets that some have, so making sure that they're they can pick up the phone and call and ask questions when they need help or advice. So really, it's a team effort. It's like a Team Canada uh, at the at the the best the best that this country can show. And you kind of touched on something I wanted to mention because I, I said sometimes people don't understand the different levels of government and all the responsibilities that you have at the region. You mentioned sort of police, EMS, um, water treatment. The, you know, long term care is 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 a big one. So. Um, as we see some of the, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the strategies and how these tables are coming together. Long-term care, obviously, um, we're seeing increases in, in COVID cases through there. We're seeing maybe a bit of a flat lining or a peak at, at the community transmission, but how are you connecting long-term care through the region? So um, Stella and her team uh, in long-term care have done an amazing job, but, you know, one of the things that happened that that, that, that doesn't really get talk, talked about is, um, you know, we lost our volunteers in our long-term care facilities. We lost our family members. So during these difficult times, we've actually had to go out and hire people to come in to work in our long-term care facilities. We've hired close to 230 people. Um, they've come in to make the needs of our residents and make them as comfortable as possible. You know, we still have to feed our residents. We still have to meet their, their needs. So the challenges of managing not only this, this virus-related issue, but trying to make sure that you have the tools in place. So during that time, not only is our health and social services department doing what they need to do, but our HR departments had to actually go out and hire 230 support staff to work in long-term care. And then it's the other parts of the puzzle that you don't see. 
It's about our water treatment plants and our and our sewage plants. You know, staggering the schedules of how our employees come into the into the buildings to practice social distancing, and then how we respond to broken water mains. So, you know, we would send a send one truck with four people out to fix a broken water pipe in a in a neighborhood. Now we're sending four trucks and four people because we want to practice social distancing. And then the great work that our call centers are doing. Our call center volume is up in health uh, is up by 30,000 calls. Um, so they're managing all that, but they're all working remotely from home. So we were able to create about 1,700 connected um, uh, secure uh, connections to the region servers so that we can still do the, the day-to-day business that, that needs to take place. Our, our folks in, are getting the checks out to the people that need it, rent checks, support checks, all of that is going on. And at the same time, you've got, you know, police and EMS. Uh, fire is a local a local uh, tier uh, issue, but they're working with us. And then you've got the healthcare component as well. So working with Lake Ridge Health, working with Ontario Shores, uh, making sure that our residents' uh, needs are covered. It's really, um, it's, it's an entirely different way to do business. Our staff is doing more of what we're doing. Uh, meetings are taking place by teleconference, uh, by Zoom. Uh, by uh, FaceTime conversations, but getting the message out to our residents. But we still have to deliver all of the services that we delivered prior to this. So um, it has been busy. Um, it's a different way to do business, um, but we are we are doing uh, doing an amazing job. I'm incredibly proud of of everyone in the community that is working together to make this this a, a better situation for our residents. And the work that our our team is doing with with some of our more challenging residents. Um, you know, we're dealing with homelessness issues. We're dealing with with people that have addictions and um, those challenges. And of course, one of the biggest challenges we have is is in the past was the mental health issues in our community, but now the mental health issues that are growing um, because people are in isolation, they're at home, and then and then the challenges we have for our frontline service people. So. It, it has been uh, very interesting. Um, it has been in, in, in very complicated uh, to navigate this, but I can tell you I'm so proud of the team here in Durham Region, of every person that's anteed up and come together to do great work. One of the things that uh, I think has been really fascinating in this whole uh, situation uh, is from a communications perspective, like Chris and I are obviously biased when we look at a situation where we come, we're always looking at how people are communicating and when and the tones. And this has been fascinating from a lot of different angles because you're, you're all working together, you and your political colleagues, but you're using technology, you're using innovation. You've managed to make social distancing and physical distancing. I mean, you as a collective in terms of our political leaders, you managed to make that a household term. People have, it's been an evolution in terms of people abiding by the social distancing uh, guidelines how has it been you know, in just communicating with the people in Durham region and the impact that you've had been able to have? I'm sure you've got a, a, a team of people that are uh, very creative and helping you communicate with uh, residents. But what has that experience been like in terms of getting the message out to the residents in Durham? Well, it's, it's, it's been a real amazing uh amazing time. We're getting our message out. Uh, we're doing, uh, of course, what we're doing today, podcasts, that sort of thing. Our corporate communications team has done a great job. We send out uh, uh, videoed messages. Uh, they come in and they'll come into the office and we'll, we'll send a message out, um, a number of different messages during the week. We've got the mayors and the lower tier municipalities doing some amazing things. Uh, 
In fact, Mayor Collier and Ajax has an online fundraiser on this Saturday night, which is, he's done a really great job about raising money for, for stuff that is needed to fight this corona, uh, corona issue. Um, but it, it's really been about using technology and, and a willingness of the team, like all of our, our staff to, to utilize new technology, stuff that they, they ha- haven't ever used before and willingly doing that and making it work. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say that before this event happened, I didn't know what Zoom was. Now I use Zoom a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. So, and it's only one of the platforms. So getting the messaging out to our residents. Uh, tomorrow night, we have a, a town hall meeting. Uh, we're going to do it uh, over the phone. We're, we're controlling it from regional headquarters. We'll have all of the entire senior leadership team of the region will be available to answer questions. And we sent a message out through a, a phone notification to at least 100,000 people in Durham region uh, yesterday. So we're able to get them on the line. They'll be able to watch it. They'll be able to stream it. And we'll be able to answer some of the questions for, for, for our residents that haven't been answered yet. And at the same time, talk about all of the great things that are happening, but some of the challenges. So you might not know this, but in Durham region, we went to a six bag limit for garbage. It doesn't really seem like a big thing, but what it did was it increased our waste by 20%. So managing that additional waste within the system um, is something that our staff has adapted to and, and done. Uh, calls for service. Um, you know, our call centers, when I say 30,000 calls for health and social services, um, that's only health and social services. That's not the rest of the organization. That's not water. That's not all of the other stuff that's going on. And then maybe, and the other big challenge is how do you get the checks out people uh, that that get uh, support from the region when you're not allowed to have um, them, you know, the buildings are closed. So adapting our building to meet meet those needs. So it's been a great team effort. I'm incredibly proud of the work that, that Stella's done, our CAO Elaine and the rest of the team, Dr. Kyle, um, police and EMS, our frontline service people, but it's the people that you don't see. You know, the folks that come to work every day in our water treatment plants that answer the phones. It's the custodians. It's the clerks in the store. And it's all of the healthcare workers, you know, from, you know, going forward, when you see someone at a hospital who's cleaning that hospital or that long-term care facility, their job is vital to the health of our residents. And that's not something that, you know, we have ever taken the, you know, the time to recognize and say, thank you. That clerk at the grocery store that's there every day helping people get their groceries, you know, it's time for us when is to show the support and say thank you the next time somebody helps you out. Doesn't matter where, just make sure that we go back to the way we were. Canada is one of the most amazing polite countries in the world. Let's let's remember that we need to thank people. Uh, Chair, when you, th- you talk about going back to the way we were, do you think this change and how we had to do things virtually and adapt to it, do you think some of that's going to stick? Like when you look at how our services, how, how the region handles services, even from mental health, obviously, this will probably push us to do more virtual going forward. We've always embraced it, but do you think this will sort of change how we operate? Um, sort of learning how we've managed during this crisis and carrying that forward in, in new ways we deliver service? Well, a couple of things. One is I real, I, I think we've recognized through this challenge is that this country needs to get its broadband fixed. It doesn't matter <laughs> where you live in this country. Um, and I equip, you know, I, I compared broadband to the first, uh, to our founding fathers who, when uh, John A. Mc, uh, when, when John A. decided that he we needed to build a railroad across this country to connect people, and the importance that that did, broadband is that important for us? 
So getting broadband into all of our communities across this entire country, not just the region of Durham, needs to be a precedent set forth by the federal government, and we need to make that happen. I think what it's done for us is, is, you know, the time that was given up in business where you used to spend, you know, for me to go downtown Toronto for a meeting um, and spend that, that four hours to go for a meeting. Um, my last meeting um, when with the AMO board was done electronically from my office. So there are ways that we can improve uh, the efficiency of our businesses without some of that traveling um, that's out there. So working, uh, working remotely, um, putting the controls in place to allow people to work from home, um, not just during this event, but if there's a really bad day and, the, and you, you know, snow is everywhere, it doesn't mean that that person in that call center can't choose to operate from home that day. So adapting to the new way, taking the technology we're using and realizing that change is a good thing and adapting to technology is the key for going forward. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of where we've, we've gotten to. I'm, I'm not sure before this event that you would have been doing what you're doing right now. It'll be, it'll be interesting just on, to follow up on that note. Um, we were kind of forced into the situation where a lot of companies who don't have kind of work from home capability or maybe didn't embrace the, you know, kind of flexible working environment. Uh, maybe they're seeing a difference. Maybe their productivity is, is at a, at a level where they'd explore it further. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of just changes how people maybe perceive uh, work environments moving forward and what they might be capable of. But in the same breath, I mean, I speak for myself. I know Chris is in a similar situation. I'm a resident of Durham. I've been in my house with my family for six weeks. It sometimes feels a lot longer. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult at times, right? A lot of the things that are in a normal part of our life or almost all the things that we consider normal are gone. Um, we're hopeful that they're coming back uh, at some point. What do you say to you know, the residents in, in your region uh, where we're at today in terms of the pandemic and, and maybe what they should be looking you know, forward to uh, in the coming weeks? Well, hopefully um, that what you've done, and thank you for staying home with your family, that you've helped, helped us to flatten the curve. And that there is a light at the end of this tunnel, and social distancing was a big part of that. So going forward, um, we need to maintain this. Um, just because the nice weather's here um, doesn't mean we should change the way we think. And, and the other part, too, is, is you know we need to remember that we live in Canada. Um, it's not necessarily what CNN is putting on, on their news station about, you know, They've allowed some places in the United States, the United States have reopened. Uh, here, um, we're not there yet. And, you know, if we do this right and we manage it right and we, we practice the social distancing till, till we reach a point where we can collectively across the province say to, to end the emergency, then we'll be much better off. If, if you open things up even a week early, um, you could have problems. And that is the challenge. We still have increasing number of cases in our long-term care facilities, um, more in the private sector than in the regional long-term care facilities. But um, those are things that we need to take into consideration. And as for the family, um, you know, if you went down, to, got out in the backyard and you practiced some social distancing and, and went for a walk or, or did, you know, you know, kick a soccer ball around, remembering that you, when you're done to to wash your hands and, and uh, keep that distance away from each other. Um, you know, you, you can do, uh, there's ways if everybody has devices to play virtual games um, over the internet within your own home, um, quality family time. And the other part too is just great conversation and reconnect with the kids. 
because um, they'll only be home for so long. And this is a great opportunity that a lot of people whose kids have grown up, I, I would have enjoyed having them home for a while um, so that you could have done that. But really, it's a team effort. Um, it'll be over if we do all the right things and we'll get the economy going and jobs, people will be going back to work. But it has to be done in a, it has to be planned and executed in an orderly manner uh, because we don't want to go through this again. And uh, together we can win. Uh, there's so many great organizations from both the you know businesses from the the public sector to the private sector in Durham region, and I know they've really stepped up to either we talked about adapt or repurpose themselves. I know on Terra Shores we just released the uh, healthcare worker assist program. It's a mental health virtual for healthcare workers on the front lines. But I wonder if you could speak to a little bit about um, some of the great industries and, and and groups in Durham region that have stepped up to sort of repurpose and support uh, the region during this pandemic. Well, some of the really most amazing things is if you look at OPG and their ability to keep the lights on in Durham region. Um, it's OPG. When the workers go to work, we, you don't see it. But, you know, we, we create 40% of the province's power. So 40% of the lights on in homes tonight are the responsibility of OPG workers that go into Pickering and Darlington uh, every day and do an amazing job. It's the frontline service people that are out there every day that you don't see that have helped us help our economy keep going. And then if you look at Ontario Tech and Durham College and Trent University and what they've been able to do from, from donating product to, like Durham College donated 12 respirators to the hospital, uh, personal protection equipment. They're helping design uh, face shields and print them on 3D printers and donating money to the food banks. To the companies that are out there that are writing checks uh, to support uh, Feed the Need um, and some of the other charities in town that there are not every business is closed and some businesses that are out there are hiring people. Um, you know, this is uh, one of our busiest times of the year. It's hard to say that right now when it's snowing outside, but, you know, our, our agricultural community is getting ready to start to plant their crops. That's a month away. Um, you know, asparagus will be up next month. Strawberries will be here in June. There's opportunities for people to go out and work in those areas. So if you're a young person looking for a job and the traditional jobs might not be there, you know, there are, there are some places and some farms locally that you can go and work at. Um, it might not be a lifeguard at a, a swimming pool because they're closed, but it doesn't mean that you can't go out and pick strawberries or blueberries. And, and it's a mindset. We have to think differently going forward. Remembering that, you know, we need to be thankful, you know, the, from the farmer that's going out to, every day to collect eggs or do whatever they're doing and making sure they're in the system to, to that young person on the farm that has now created a home delivery based business using technology to take orders and deliver products to your home to the frontline service people that we've always taken for granted because you don't see them. And it's the people you don't see that really keep the economy going. Uh, it's the folks that come to work every day in our long-term care facilities or, or at our waste facilities, you know, um, waste is up 20%. Um, who, who would have ever thought that um, in a time when everything's closed down, that, that your pickup would be that great? But because people are staying at home, they're putting two more bags uh, every collection period. Uh, recycling's up. So um, it, it's an amazing story. And when this is all done, we really need to sit down collectively as a group, and then we need to write the story. We need to talk about all the good things that happened, things that didn't work, how we make changes going forward, how we came together as a region, a, a province, and a country. Uh, with a common goal. And, and in the end, the goal is to make sure that our residents, no matter where you live in Canada, that your safety and health has been, the, has been at the forefront of all of this. And it's pretty amazing. But every person that has stayed home, 
has been part of the solution. And, you know, the challenging part is we had an emergency operations meeting this morning. Um, and we have one three times a week. Or we, we'll get down to two times a week as we get closer to the end of this. You know, where the police chief will tell us that, you know, they've had so many calls for people gathering in large groups. Just stop that. There, there is no need. Uh, if you want to go out and walk around your neighborhood, practice social distancing, but we can't have people collecting in large numbers in areas, putting people at, at risk. And the people that you really are putting at risk are the people that you that you love, the, the, your, you know, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, and your children. So, you know, practice that social distancing. Don't uh, wash your hands as often as you can. Don't touch your face. Um, and when you go out and you have to go out for emergency, uh, whether it's groceries or the pharmacy, plan your route. Uh, only go to the places that you need to go and, um, and be part of the solution, not the problem. One of the topics. I guess that's. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just gonna. Sorry, <laughs> I was just gonna say. So, I guess that really is the best way that collectively we can support those frontline people and the people at the region and OPG is just by doing our part, right? Yeah. To to get back to normal as soon as we can. I think that's probably the best thing we can do to support them. And and you know and and we go and, and in the end when this is all uh, ongoing and and we'll have to worry about is is we have to worry about their mental health. Um. You know, down the road, we've got these challenges. So the great news for our, our paramedics is our, our calls for service are down by 23%. That means they're down because there are not as many traffic accidents um, on the roads because nobody's driving. People are staying home. But our calls for service for policing are up by 8%. And the challenge of that is, is in some of it, is people gathering in groups. And us uh, working with our lower tier partners and their bylaw people to try to get the message out that stay at home is the key to solving all this. So, um, you know, those are, you know, some facts that you, that you probably didn't, didn't know. Um, but, you know, our call volume for police um, dealing with issues that, you know, really shouldn't be an issue. People should be listening. We're a couple, maybe a couple questions away from wrapping this up and thank you for your time uh, today. I know one of the things that you're passionate about is mental health, and we've touched on it uh, a couple times uh, in this conversation. And one of the things that's been interesting is just seeing how mental health has started to play into the COVID-19 conversation as uh, it's kind of evolved. Uh, people are starting to realize uh, the impact of self-isolation, the impact of being on the front lines, having to go to work every day, putting yourself in harm's way, and what the eventual or what the immediate and eventual toll could be from a mental health perspective. And I wonder what your message is around mental health for all the kind of all the people in Durham region who are impacted by this in some form or another. Um, do you feel that maybe the stigma of mental health may be um, being reduced a little bit in this whole uh, situation because we are talking about it a bit more? And how, how do you want people to fit mental health into the conversations moving forward? Well, first of all, I want the residents of Durham Region to understand how lucky we are to have Ontario Shores located in our community and the great work that your your teams do there to help our residents. And, and you know, most most people that, that know me know that uh, my family has had some, some challenges with mental health over the years, and um, we struggle with my father every day. Um, but now there's a problem with, with that is that without being able to get into hospitals, you're not able to see your loved ones. So there's that added complexity of, of, of the mental health challenge. 
but it's, it, you know, it's okay. Everybody, you know, it's okay to do what we're doing now and having a conversation. But Chris, if I didn't know that, that you know you as well as I, I know you over the years, it, I could re- identify today that you would be possibly having a challenge and it's okay to ask if you're okay. Um, it's okay to say that if you see something out of the norm with a, with a loved one or a friend that you're close with, it's okay to say, are you okay? Do you need to talk to somebody? You know, by making it part of a conversation, you take the stigma away from it. And uh, for all of us, if we know that, if we have a family member or a friend that seems to be challenged, it's okay to ask if, if they're okay. And that's not something we used to do. Bell Let's Talk has gone a long way to help us do that. Well, you know, we have some great leaders in the community that the mental health has become a big component of that. Um, all the mayors, Mayor Carter and Oshawa in particular, is always out speaking about about mental health. And and I do, every every once in a while, I get to tell my family story about the challenges of watching what happened to my, fa- my father and my family and the struggles that we went through. Um, when we start talking about it, then it's not so hard for somebody else to talk about it. And I've always said, and I appreciate you sharing that story and, and, and Mayor Carter as well and different leaders, because I, I think when you share those stories or people at the uh, upper echelon of a company or, or in government share those stories, it, it signals to others that it's okay to talk about it. I can still share that story or my own personal story, but I can still achieve a highest level, whether it's in politics or, or in business, by it, it sort of gives that message that I won't be judged. So I, thanks very much for sharing that. I think... Um, that conversation and sharing that really goes a long way, um, that, that leadership. So I appreciate that. Well, it's even bigger than that. There was a time in our lives that you would never talk about uh, a family member um, having challenges. You know, I'm really proud to, to stand up and, and talk in public that my dad spent three months in Ontario Shores. It gave him a place to go where he got the help that he needed. That conversation wouldn't have happened years ago. But here we are. Um, my dad is, for whatever reason, he got where he was, um, needed a place to go and got the care that he needed and got him back to where he could be um, moved someplace else. So um, I have no problem talking about that and talking about the story uh, and the challenges. And, and But what makes that story so great is that he had a place to go that was in Durham Region, and that's Ontario Shores. Yeah, speaking of conversations I never thought would happen, it would be speaking to the regional chair of Durham from my basement uh, in the middle of <laughs> April. So uh, we're just doing the best we can. And clearly uh, you are too. You're doing a great job. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to keep us informed of what's going on in Durham region. And uh, hope you take care of yourself as well through all this. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. It's, and it's easy to do a great job when you have an amazing team. So I, I get to speak on behalf of the region, but I, I have to tell you, there's 6,000 people here that hold me up every day. They come to work and uh, through their great efforts, we have been able to do what we're doing. And, and it's because of them I'm able to, but it, the recognition really needs to go to all of them. But I'll, And I'll pass on um, your comments. Stella's in the room, but for you guys getting the message out and what you're doing, thanks. Uh, stay safe, stay home. And uh, maybe we'll could do this again next month um, when we declare this over, but we'll still do it via Zoom. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much, Chair. Have a great day. Bye.